Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Phantoms of the Silver Screen podcast. I am Jumby, and I am joined by Rip. And we are here today to not review a 90s classic, <laughs> Are You Afraid of the Dark? We're reviewing the second episode of Netflix's Archive 81, Season 1, Episode 2, Wellspring. Uh, what a episode! What a place to yes stop watching <laughs> Archive eighty one. I I just wanted to instantly start watching episode three, but yeah. like we have said in the past, we will stick it out. We will record our thoughts. <laughs> Maybe we'll start episode three right after we're done recording. Who, Who knows? knows? I have goosebumps. Oof, yeah. Goosebumps. Shout mm-hmm. out to Me the too. show, Goosebumps and the book series Arl Stein. But I have literal goosebumps from. Watching this episode, especially the ending. One, one thing I loved is how hard it was to predict anything <laughs> from last episode. We were just like, it's, it's pretty difficult. We tried, we made some mm-hmm. guesses, but there's so many questions that it just really distracts you from like, okay, so where do we start? <laughs> like, where do we tackle these uh, predictions? But now we're we're kind of zeroing in on some things at the same time we have more questions right Mm -hmm. um, we got some answers too i mean i had questions i got a few answers and probably like 20 more questions to replace those answers but Mm -hmm. like it's fine it's fine and to not not to get too spoilery but that's one of the things i loved about midnight mass is just that the moment we had a question the next episode answered and gave us more questions this one i did not want that to happen i i wanted more like like a slow mystery a slow burn and we're definitely getting that mm-hmm. unraveling it feels like something's unraveling before us rather than like question answer question answer question answer yeah something big is happening and i don't know what it is <laughs> i know it's dutch that's that's my only idea it's something to do with the dutch let's see yeah I, I is it am I crazy? Did they mention Dutch or something in this episode? Because that's in my head. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like they did. I think <laughs> they were saying something about a ceremony that's Dutch. I don't know. I mean, they call it a sex party, but a Dutch sex party. <laughs> well, so, mm-hmm. Wellspring. This episode, it's crazy episode, starts off interesting. We we get a commercial. For Wellspring, it's um, yeah. let's see, uh, just uh, many different cultures coming together, and Wellspring is a genetic testing company. Mm. If you've seen Ancestry.com, Twenty Three and Me, and you've seen a commercial by them, it's like the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Give us your DNA, trust us with that, and then we'll tell you your ancestry and what percentage of you is from Europe or Africa or wherever you want to like whatever you can think of and they'll tell you <laughs> based on like genetic archives and all that stuff. Yeah. And we get a commercial from that and it felt out of place, but it starts making some sense later in the episode, which it's two episodes in. So I don't know if it's like a theme, but I do feel like the beginning always gives us a question that they answer at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wellspring ad, like um, if it wasn't in this medium, a streaming medium if it was one of those 
old time shows where you'd like turn on the TV and a channel would play and then commercials would play in between the show. You could think of it as just like a random commercial. It might not have even blended together or hit your head that like, oh, this is part of the show. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of a really well done commercial. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, Tropic Thunder gonna... and Pootie Juice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are good. Perfect comparison. <laughs> that and this are the same thing. So, yeah, we, we pick up where we left off, like you said. Um, Dan, we left him discovering that his dad is on the tapes. Yes. Crazy revelation there. Crazy place to end. So, obviously, Dan's going to be freaked out. Mm-hmm. He um, walks into frame, like, in the daytime, and we see him going to the Wi-Fi spot, you know, where he, like, tied the blue string or something like that from his jacket. Ruining the jacket, by the way. That hoodie is unusable now, but nope. whatever. He um, tied it there so he knows where he gets service. He went there to call Mark, and he's freaking out. Yeah. He calls up his buddy and wakes him up. He tells him about the dad. He's going wild. Mark is taking everything in stride. He's just asking the right questions. Yeah. That's a good. Um, that's a good. Uh, not partner, but like just a secondary person to have to like mm-hmm. filter your thoughts for you. And Mark said the strongest statement was. Um, you can go and confront Davenport about everything you just learned. And not only do you lose the money that he promised you, but you may never get the questions you need answered answered. Mm-hmm. So you could bite the hand that feeds you, or you can stick it out and see where it leads. And mm-hmm. that's when Dan makes that choice. He's like, okay, I need yeah. to stick, stick this out. When he first said that, like, um, it felt a little harsh, but there's a lot of truth into it. If we stop the story right here, there's no story. Like, you don't know <laughs> anything else. You wasted your time, essentially. You get nothing out of it. If you could stick it out a little longer, do the job, you get money. Yes, that is the Rip and Jumbies version of we were Dan in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> the like... money, Dan. <laughs> um. So he ultimately gets calmed down by him. I think he, yeah, he puts him on this mission, right? So Dan's like, look, I have this aunt and she has a whole bunch of my dad's informations and like all his old case files and all that stuff. Can you poke around there and see if there's anything you can find relating to this case? Um, He tells him where the secret key is located and Mark agrees because he's an amazing human being (laughs) with, with a lot of free time. Outside of his podcast, I guess he doesn't do anything else. I mean, it makes sense. His podcast is like, what, Mystical Mysteries or whatever? (laughs) Yeah, and apparently it's booming. I mean, he has a live audience. So it makes sense that he's just like, yeah, he's interested in trying to figure out this mystery as well. You know? Yeah, I don't believe He has some research skills. Yeah. So he gets put on the mission to go to Dan's aunt's house and look up all his old patient's files. Well, not patient files, just like... uh, all his files and see if he can find anything. Yeah. yeah. And it was pretty cool. <laughs> um, at this point, the only thing Dan can do is just continuing working. See what more he can find. He's on mm-hmm. he's on his own mission to see where this job is taking him. So he opens up another tape, puts it on the reel, 
and we get transported back to the 1990s to Melody. Melody is out and about, and she's with Jess. And don't you dare call her Jessica. It's just Jess. She, they go into, like, Jess is doing errands, so they're, like, in a convenience store. Um, and Melody tries to pry a little bit. You know, like, hey, remember when you said, can I tell you something, and you decided to take it back? Can we talk about that a little bit? You know, because it's appropriate for Melody to film that question and answer in the middle of a convenience store. And Jess rightfully is like, nah, it was nothing. Let's not talk about this. But then we get another <laughs> another question posed to us because somebody who recognized Jess walks in and it's a priest and not just any priest. The priest that... um. That's been kind of coaching Jess through everything she's been going through, all her seizures and stuff. I almost forgot about this scene because he didn't show up again, but <laughs> something's happening here. Yeah. He's going to be important. Yeah, and he's looks like very happy and almost relieved to see her. And Jess mm -hmm. is kind of just like, okay, hey, hey. father, mm, uh, whatever. Um... And it's at the point where Jess has her ends up getting her own camera. So now we have two cameras in the in the in the story. Ooh. For season two. Yeah. Jess's tapes. We need you, Dan. Please. <laughs> you have to decode them. What? Jess knew your dad? It's your sister? Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> um So Dan's uh in this tale that Dan is twirling for us. Um Let's see. So they they finish their their uh their not task their the, the Jess's checklist. Aaron. Yeah, Aaron, and Jess goes back and they go into the elevator, and we meet this old woman with like red hair, mm -hmm. and Jess is like, "Hey, she wants this melody. She would like to interview you." And this woman, who clearly lives in the visitor building, smells. Melody, like she was gonna, le she leans in for a kiss on the cheek, but like instead, the French dude. yeah, and smells her hair, then goes to the other side to the other cheek, and smells her hair, and everybody's weirded out by this, and except this lady because she just smiles, she turns around and walks into the elevator. Mm. Um, this lady's gonna be important yes. in so many different ways, and I have something <laughs> to bring up about her. Later on in the episode. I want to call her Red. Yes, let's call her Red. And Jess mm. is like, don't worry, I'll talk to Red after this. Okay. Mm -hmm. But right. Melody does get an interview to uh, for one of from one of Jess's clients. Um, I can't quite <laughs> remember her name, but let's call her the fortune teller. I think Be yeah. Beatrice? Yeah, Beatrice. Cool. Fortune teller Baba. So as they're interviewing each other, um, mm -hmm. Well, as Melody is interviewing her, Beatrice decides to do a reading. So, but um, <laughs> Beatrice brings up the chanting um, that's going that that Melody heard. She's like, "Oh yeah, you mean all those people that uh that are, are up at midnight, um, having their midnight sex parties? Yeah, I I know what the I hear, I hear those noises, mm -hmm. and clearly talking about the." 
the noises that woke up just um melody that night uh so that aside Jess uh melody is getting her fortune read and we get to learn a little bit about melody you could see kind of like her anxiety coming out as her as her fortune is being read one one um we got the past present and future right um yeah let's try and interpret these tarot cards because we're experts <laughs> beatrice um deduces that melody's here on a mission terrible sorry <laughs> did you say terrible terrible card i said i said taru oh. like the like the bubble tea oh i'm gonna remember that next time <laughs> my bad um Beatrice concludes that, or uses the cards to conclude that Melody's here on a mission. And Melody uh, reveals that she's trying to look down for Julia Bennett. She was a historian, one of her favorite historians, that tracked down, sorry, not tracked down, that went, that lived in the Visor and went missing and no one has heard from her. Mm. What about the future card, though? That. That was death, <laughs> and everybody when every like horror movie when somebody gets the death card, <laughs> all the people say the same thing, and it's like it doesn't mean you're going to die, it just means that something will end, and it may not like, you know, a, a change, you know, like a mm-hmm. phoenix. The phoenix may die, but it resurrects, you know, and mm-hmm. that yeah, is that. the people don't do that. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. They do not. But something, something in her life could change. And, you know, maybe it ends for good. Maybe she finds a different job. That's what that could mean. Yes, of course. <laughs> it always means something really good is going to happen in a horror movie setting when you get the death tarot card. Uh, really want bubble tea. <laughs> taru. That's a good flavor. It's the only flavor, it's the only option. Yeah. Um. So, as she's walking down, she um notices a mailbox, and it's filled to the brim with mail, right? Mm. And she starts kind of poking at one that's ticking out and trying to pull it out to see, and then we get someone a man looking at her and like cracks a joke like you know that's against the law right and melody is just like okay well i'm going to fucking leave now since you just said that and the one thing of note of this particular man that's the Mm. same guy who opened the door for her in the beginning of uh her her first trip into the visitor yes it was and i don't trust this man why? Because his name is Samuel. Also, also, in <laughs> addition, I feel like we saw something with him where he was being creepy. Well, the way he opened right? the door. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think he, like, blocked her as she was walking up a stairway or something and just kind of, like, did that awkward, um, like, she moves to the right, he moves to the right, then he yeah. moves to the left. And, but it was like, he just didn't break eye contact the entire time. <laughs> 
wasn't there like a a future scene where we saw the fate of Melody or something? Like not this episode, but last episode. Yeah, yeah. We don't hear, we don't see him, or um, I feel like I saw him. Uh, I don't know. We may, we may have. Yeah, yeah. We saw that's 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 some shit. Um, there's some shit going on. She with says, all these people here, but uh, <laughs> Melody definitely curses his name, Sam, right? Yeah. And the big thing is that when uh, when Melody brings it up about in her interview with Jess before Jess got her seizure um Jess was like did, did Sam sent you so this is suspicious stuff yeah man something's something's off about Sam and his glasses dude is so circular it's throwing me off yeah mainly I just don't like his glasses <laughs> I'm kidding I actually like those glasses yeah other than the shirt he chose, his style is pretty good. Yeah, but it went well with his trench coat, right? Yeah, but it's like a weird like farm boy shirt button up that underneath his suit. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> I don't like it. It has no collar. It throws me off. Phantom eye for the straight guy. Um, mm-hmm. So Melody, as she was walking away, Sam starts to like have a conversation with her hey do you like music she's like yeah i'm a human being i like music and then he's at what she was like no (laughs) Um, every fiber of my being is (laughs) anti-music the then sam was like do you like opera and then she's like i like beastie boys but i don't like i don't like opera no pacino for me um and what if he was just like hey you like music how you feel about this he just starts doing that weird breathing thing from later on. <laughs> Whatever the fuck. Uh, goosebumps. I know. It's creepy. Yeah. Um, we should have practiced it before we did this. So we could no. <laughs> it's in the moment. Um, Actually, with the air filter thing, you probably don't even hear any huffing and puffing. So. That's true. Uh, so, Sam... Ask her if he wants to go watch an opera that his friend Tamara is doing that's not very good. Tamara or Tamara? Oh, Tamara. Sorry. Sorry. You said. Sorry. Taro. Taro. Yeah. So, Tamara, Tamara. <laughs> Taro. 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 <laughs> Tamara, Tamara. So, Those make more sense than tomato, tomato. Nobody says tomato. <laughs> Alright? Taro and Taro makes more sense. <laughs> so... Of course, Melody feels a familiarity. She's interviewed Tamara, so and Sam is asking her to go to an opera by um, Tamara. She's like, "Okay, I'll go." And Sam sells it perfectly. He's like, "Hey, it's a very awful. It's a project. It's a work in progress, and it's not working or progressing." So drinks are on me. And we see Melody in her room. Getting excited about it. Yeah, trying on different dresses. What works? What doesn't work? Does this skirt match? Am I looking too desperate? What's going on? And Mm -hmm. that's when we hear an answering machine go off. (gasps) Her therapist is on there. And he's trying to figure out where she is. He got her number and her whereabouts from her roommate. And he's concerned about where she's been. 
the last session they had didn't go well and he understands that but they she's in, he's encouraging her to come back and finish the sessions and it's at this point we cut back to Dan who is very intrigued by this conversation because the therapist is his father so now I will point out mm-hmm. that he didn't explicitly say I mean, I think it's proved later, but he didn't exactly say that he's like her therapist. You know, he he was just saying that last time we talked and then it went really quiet. He didn't say anything or like if you did say something, you got cut off. And then he's like, whatever, whatever. It didn't go well. And then he moved on. He didn't say our last session. He didn't say, oh, it's your doctor. It just said, hi, it's Dr. Turner. Like, yeah, I think he is her therapist. I'm just I'm. I, oh yeah, yeah, they confirmed that later. Yeah, they confirmed. I just at that it moment, seemed weird to me that they were dancing around it. Yeah, <laughs> um, it just it felt so obvious. I probably put that like, <laughs> like I already mm-hmm. put it two and two together. Um, so now that uh, this dude uh, Dan's father Dan. knows where uh, Dan's father knows where Melody is. She's not happy about that. In fact, she goes over and she deletes the message, erasing it from existence, except for, as Jumpy pointed out, it's a good thing she recorded it on her cam uh, cam recorder. (laughs) So Yeah, nobody would ever hear this if I didn't re-record it after (laughs) deleting it. (laughs) So at this point, this summons Dan back outside and... I think he can't find the blue string because he doesn't go to that spot. Or at least he's looking for it, but he can't find it, nor is he getting any signal. Mm -hmm. I think he can't, he didn't think about it, but somebody moved that string. It's gone. So he ends up going deeper into the woods and was it? Uh, He finds like a shack or like another building, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Which leads me to believe, like, or not to believe, but like to ask what, what the heck's in this building. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, there's a lot of secrets in this place alone, right? Mm-hmm. But he finds a ladder, climbs up, gets a signal. At that point, he reach, he calls Mark, and Mark doesn't pick up. It's just his answering machine. He's busy. Yeah. Um. So then... Uh, leaves a message. He's like, "Hey, I when you go to my aunt's house, look up for patient files of Mel- Melody Pendris. I'm pretty sure that was one of his patients." And then he hangs up. And at that point, the the shot was good because it was a close up of his face. He goes to hang up, and then when we pan back up in the distance, we see the infamous red hoodie extra person in the back mm-hmm. dan notice notices this person immediately this so he's like hey what are you doing here and the person books it just runs so he goes chasing after this person and shout out to the cameraman they really tried to follow dan in this chase like that the camera was shaking it was <laughs> it was very exhilarating i felt like i was part of the chase with the way the mm-hmm. camera was working <laughs> sweating after yeah. I was like, Oof. Oof, oh my gosh it's 
good thing I put on my running shoes for this. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, he, it's akin to like the the joke about the Mori camera people. <laughs> but I doubt uh, another reference that nobody's gonna know because <laughs> nobody watches Mori. <laughs> uh, we're just chock full of these references, right? Mm-hmm. It's from the 1990s. It's like Jerry Springer, yeah. if you know what that is. <laughs> um. So, fortunately, unfortunately, Dan couldn't ca- keep up to this uh, red-hooded mystery person. And mm-hmm. next scene we cut to is Dan talking to the most sassiest uh, receptionist at LGM, right? I love that reception. <laughs> Uh, he's he's calling the lgm person and, and they're like look he's like look i need to talk to mr davenport this is like an emergency please put him on the phone and she's like oh i'm sorry like he's not here right now he's in the field he's like in the field what does that mean and she's like can i take a message <laughs> and he's just like no it's important and she and she's just like is that the message <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> and he's like he doesn't know how to respond he's like no uh are you stupid? Like, what's wrong with you? And the, he's like, look, it's an emergency. And she's like, are you in mental distress? And then he <laughs> just like rolls his eyes. He's like, no, I'm not in mental distress. And he takes a deep breath. <laughs> he's like, no, I am not. And he, he really pisses him off. And it's yeah. kind of funny. So he's just like, all right, you win. Uh, just tell him to get back to me. And hangs up before she could say some other stuff to set him <laughs> off. Yeah, he's definitely not calling her again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now we get Dan goes back into the frustrated, defeated. He walks back into the the area where the kitchen is, <laughs> the kitchen area. <laughs> just like his, his whole room is just that one big ass room that's not the the tape recording place. Um, mm-hmm. So he goes into the fridge, grabs a Heineken. And he opens up a drawer and he sees Reddy just chewing up all the towels, the tea towels. So he's just like, all right. He gets a pizza, feeds it to Reddy. And he's trying to figure, he's he's just putting things together and making some quips and some jokes. He's like, what if, um, what if LGM is just some board game testing, <laughs> uh, uh, thing with some fucked up board game testing company it's like oh uh uh find a secret uh uh what find a secret tape uh no find out your father's on a on a secret tape moves uh <laughs> moves six spaces um mm-hmm. almost get ex- assassinated by a person in a red sweater go to directly to jail and don't get a hundred grand he's just clearly just thinking this because he's in the game room that has every board game known to man yeah it and also has a bunch of vhs tapes which is very odd and he decides to watch a vhs tape which i feel like it's important um mm-hmm. it's and... the favorite vhs tape melody <laughs> yes she pointed it out as when they're in the convenience store or whatever that was when she was mm-hmm. with Jess. so she's like all right uh he's like all right we're gonna watch this tape mm-hmm. so i don't remember the exact cartoon I keep thinking of Five Goes West because that's the only animated mouse <laughs> I know other than Mickey. It's not. It's like the Secrets of Nim or something. That's... Something like that, yeah. But it looks like the animation for Five Goes West. I could swear it. <laughs> One day I'll look it up and prove it right. 
but it's not this day. Uh, so he ends up watching this VHS tape with Ratty, very with cute, Ratty, and he knocks out. Mm-hmm. But as he stares, as he's knocking out, staring into the the glass window, he sees somebody in a red sweater. He he, he gets up and turns around and realizes that it's a reflection of the person's in the house. He turns around and he sees his dad in the red sweater. And his dad whispers something to him. It's not even like he whispers. He's like he speaks and no words come out. Yeah, it's inaudible. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Turner turns around and Dan follows Dr. Turner. As they're following, uh, it's clearly a dream sequence because now he's in like walking around the visitor building apartment complex and his dad, I guess, leads him to a door, which he knocks on. Apartment 2D. This person opens the door and it's Melody and she's wearing like some kind of purple shirt or whatever. And Dan wakes up. Weird. <laughs> His Creepy. Job's definitely getting to him. Uh, so, uh, we get um, we get more tapes. Melody is at the opera. I want to say that um, the the Red Hood thing obviously it's not going to be the dad dad's dead for real yeah. i think the red hood really is melody yeah for a fact and then like revelations later on this episode kind of confirmed that for me but i always saw the red hood person as like a female mm-hmm. like silhouette i just i don't know why i just kind of thought it was a female mm-hmm. when i first glanced it and melody seems like the logical choice if not melody jess yes that's what I was Those are the two options. Mm. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but those are good guesses. I like that. Because obviously it just won't be somebody, you know, random, right? It's <laughs> no. like... The That's rece- going to be eight, Agent 33 or something. <laughs> like the, the receptionist from <laughs> LGM. Hello, sir. <laughs> Can you a message, you bitch? I have a message for you. It's very important. <laughs> so, Stay out in the pantry. So Sam looks at this video of Melody at the opera. <sighs> She's looking nice. She's all dolled up. She walks in and she meets Tamara. And she's like, hey, Tamara, how's it going? And she's like, hey, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, Samuel invited me. And Tamara just starts cracking up and walks away. It's like, mm-hmm. okay. We need tomorrow. Very time. rude. Yeah. Very rude. And she looks back and she's like, and actually it's pronounced Tamara. And then she <laughs> rolls her eyes again and leaves. So uh Melody orders a beer. Budweiser. Mm-hmm. And But she's cool. And I'm surprised it's not a Heineken, but whatever. Budweiser. They didn't pay. Budweiser paid. <laughs> well, I mean, they were in the beginning of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of people um, a lot of if we're really being honest, there's a lot of uh, product placement. Product placement? Yeah. 
I mean, these shows don't make themselves. They got to put something in there. And you know what? They put all the product placement in a pantry and all that. Like, yeah. it's it's fine. It's like, yeah, I didn't get bothered by it. I wonder if the board games paid them any money to put them. Milton Bradley. <laughs> Milton. <laughs> that Milton Bradley money. Is that it? Or the Parker Brothers? That, that's what I'm thinking of. Thanks, both of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, Batman himself, Samuel just appears, apparates <laughs> right behind her. And freaks her out. She's like, ah, Samuel, hey, what's up, man? Didn't see you there. That was a little creepy. And the maybe, way he's standing, a... too, right? He's just yeah. upright with his eyes staring with his freaking double circular glasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he's standing as if he hasn't moved for the last hour. <laughs> just... <laughs> it's horrifying. How long have so you been somebody standing needs to, there? Like, get this kid a bell. <laughs> um, so that was a good reference. And since we're on references that... uh. <laughs> not out of date mm-hmm. um so sam and melody are watching this opera and it's the same song that tamara played for her and the anxiety is getting to melody again she can't handle it it's too much I'd like to describe the opera a little bit since I mentioned Batman earlier, uh, <laughs> these opera singers are all wearing what appears to be like owl masks. I just see them as owl masks. They could be representing something else, but they look like the Court of Owls mask from the Batman New 52 run. <laughs> uh, if you've read that comic book, it's going to become popular soon. Don't worry about it. I'm sure there's an animated movie by now. In fact, I'm sure of it. Yeah, There is one in... Uh, What's that streaming service called? HBO Max. HBO Max. You can watch it there. It's pretty good. And I am betting all the money in the world that the next The Batman movie with Robert Patterson is going to be about the Court of Owls. I just I just feel it. That would make feel sense. it in my bones. Just so you guys know, it's at the time of this recording, the Robert Patterson Batman has not come out yet. So I don't know for sure if it does yes. have any references to that. But I just I feel like it does. <laughs> They're going for that edgy vibe. Might as well do it, right? Mm-hmm. But anyway, other than Batman, <laughs> um, Samuel, who's probably the opposite of Batman, he is there with her, comforting her, because she is freaking out, just like she did the first time she heard this music. It's triggering something in her mind, and I'm not really quite sure why, but there's some connection with this music and her, mm-hmm. and I want to bet that it's also connected to Dr. Turner somehow. Yeah, and we already heard that Dan's been humming this, so this music mm-hmm. is uh, very worldly. Yeah, gets around. Yeah, gets around, yes. Very good. Etchy. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing I don't like about Dan is he tucks his sweater vest into his pants. Weirdo. <laughs> Phantom Eye for the straight guy. <laughs> it's weird, man. You don't tuck a sweater into your pants. Who does that? Just be glad he stuck it into his pants and not his underwear. We don't know. <laughs> we never get to see that scene. That's true. Because of somebody's best friend. Aww. So, um, Melody. Were you talking about Dan or... Or Samuel. 
I'm talking about Samuel. Okay. My bad. I meant Samuel. I said Dan. Dan's great. Dan's style on point. Samuel's the one who tucks his sweater into his pants. It's weird. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway. um, Sam Sam recognizes that Melody is feeling weird, and so he takes her out, and they have a conversation. They get to know each other a little bit. Samuel's a professional. He studies something out there, like like something sociology, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't even tell you. I feel like it's not even important to the plot, but um, he definitely has... Uh, sp- I think uh, he studies history. Yeah, something like that. He's a historian of some sense. <laughs> Maybe he studies Dutch history, and that's where I got the Dutch thing from. <laughs> So maybe, <laughs> you know what? I think they do uh, mention it in the episode. Yeah. But he, they start catching up. They start, you know, getting to know each other, not catching up, just getting to know each other. And um, Melanie just comes out right out and say, and she's like, hey, uh, I heard there's a sex, midnight sex club. What's that about? And, and I went in. <laughs> and Samuel's just like, oh, you mean the hit? The Visor Historian Society, where we VHS VHS, where we get together and discuss uh, different um, different things that uh, either pertains to the building or just history in general. And Melody's taken aback. Um, it's like, oh, that sounds cool. It's like, yeah, you'll be surprised about how many people have knowledge of this building, and they'll talk your ear off. Uh, this one last time, they were talking about Dutch witchcraft. Dutch witchcraft. There it is. Yeah. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, that is what the VHS is up to. Dutch witchcraft. You heard it here first. <laughs> Apparently, the Dutch are first. known for their witchcraft. <laughs> so, with that being said, they uh, they go, they leave, they walk back to the visor, and Samuel had promised a skeleton key to give to. Melody, if he went with her to the opera, and it was assumed to be a joke, but then at the end of it, he pulls it out and he shows her the key. It's a real skeleton key, and she's taken aback by it, and immediately starts making out with him. It's at this point where Samuel's like, "Uh, red or white?" She's like, "Excuse me." He's like, "A nightcap, red or white wine," and. Melody's like whiskey, cause I ain't no bitch. Cause I'm not like the other girls. <laughs> <laughs> I want whiskey. Put some hair on my chest. Yeah, like so. Budweiser. I mean, that's <laughs> fine. You could like those things. It doesn't matter. I just, I don't know. She gives off that whole like that vibe of the girl who doesn't want to be like the other girls. I just, I, she gives off that vibe a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess. Uh, yeah, well, she wears pants a lot, right? <laughs> I mean, everybody wears pants. It's the nineties. Everyone's it's fucking cold pants. outside. It's yeah, fucking... it's winter. <laughs> I, th- I think that was the normal thing. <laughs> I know that I won't falter for. <laughs> but he's like, I can't promise you whiskey, but I could def- definitely promise you I'll bring back alcohol. And then she's mm-hmm. excited. She goes up. 
she uses skeleton key on the mailbox and she gets nothing it's empty mm-hmm. the mailbox then, that was once filled is empty yes behind her somebody's doing their best samuel impression <laughs> she gets startled by jess who is standing there with her arms straight by her side not flinching as if she's been standing there all night <laughs> who's that so girl jess... it's jess everyone remember that show me neither <laughs> <laughs> Damn, dude! What was it that long ago? <laughs> it was, it was, it was some time. Maybe it's still running. For all I know, <laughs> no, it's done. Just because I stopped watching it doesn't mean it stopped going. <laughs> it's done. It's done. It's but new I, girl, by the way. It's new girl. I, I will, I will sing that theme song every time Jess pops up. And thankfully, so, it's the last time. <laughs> the character formerly known as Jess showed up, <laughs> and. She's just like, hey, um, that apartment's empty. It's been empty for like forever. Since Nobody's there. Born. Nobody's asking me to get Cheetos or whatever it is that I do for everybody. Nobody's there. So the old man who like takes care of this place probably just threw it out. All the mail that was in there. I wouldn't worry too much about it. And yeah, I think she said some other stuff. Yeah, something right? very important. What did she say? Someone's been looking for Melody. Somebody right. who's been ringing every door looking for Melody until Jess it, it created so much racket that John Smith, the super, was going to call the cops. And Jess is like, I'll just let her in. <laughs> so, yeah. And and uh, I almost spoiled it. Melody immediately recognized who it is, goes up to her room. And we see in her room a blonde-haired woman, similar to the blonde-haired room woman in the first video, um, in episode one. It is Annabelle. Woo! Her best friend. Slash Casey forgot. Yep, she is here, and she is not taking. Those are personal questions. Please stop asking me that for an, for a retort or anything like that. She's not taking that. Mm-hmm. She is here. She wants to know why um, Melody's here for her dissertation. She knows Melody's keeping something to herself, and she's not about it. She's like, hey, mm-hmm. is it some dude here? Is it some guy you're banging? Who's the hot guy? Is some secret mm-hmm. happening? What's going Just on? Very inv- <laughs> Annabelle is very invasive, and Annabelle is very quirky. All right? She's dancing around by herself when no one's around. She's eating Twizzlers. She's wacky. She wants you to know it. <laughs> Crazy Annabelle. Mm-hmm. And she's very involved in her friend's like sex life. Yeah. It's like, what's going on? Who are you banging tonight? Is he coming over? Did you already do it? And at that point, we get Samuel walking in with like a bottle of wine. And he's like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> uh, you guys have a good night. I'll leave the bottle of wine for you. Bye. He left it for them, right? He didn't just take it. <laughs> I feel like he left it. Yeah. Yeah. So. So it's at that point where, the guy that, uh, the guy that she was gonna spend the night with, decided to leave, and. Sammy. Yeah, and Melody's kind of mad, but Annabelle 
really is like you have walls and I'm going to tear them down. And obviously Melody confronted Annabelle about giving her number to her therapist and Annabelle's response is like it seemed important. You know, like mm. your therapist is calling you, can't find you. I think he needs to know. So I feel like Annabelle is looking out for Melody in her own way. Yeah, it may be in her own quirky yeah, way. It may be an invasion, uh, an not an invasion of privacy, but like definitely um, overstepping, overstepping, some boundaries yeah, there. overstepping boundaries. But I feel like Annabelle had a reason. Some something mm-hmm. probably might have happened. I predict there was a breakdown in the past. Whatever. Yeah. Or a drug problem. Who knows? Could be a million things. But we cut. Um, you know who knows? Dr. Turner. Ooh, that is true. So we cut to Dan, I think, I think like the next day or maybe after the session. Yeah. Um, he's walking around the apartment or the apartment. That's being super modest. He's yeah. walking around this mansion and he finds Ratty making a huge mess. He got into the paper towels for some reason and he just littered the floor with paper towels. Yeah. He's like, damn it, Reddy. This is crazy. Fed up with this shit. And he doesn't do anything to reprimand him. He's just like, nah, you're still, you're still cute. Aww. He rushes to the pantry and he turns it on and he reveals all the product placement in the world. <laughs> There's like a million boxes of Kraft macaroni and cheese. There's Velveeta macaroni and cheese. Nature Valley Pop-Tarts. Yeah. Mm. Pop tarts are there. Nature Valley didn't pay that much. That's why it's like kind of in the corner of the pantry. And, we were all looking out. <laughs> and there's definitely a bunch of chips at the top <laughs> mm-hmm. that we don't see. So yeah. maybe they don't Those... pay enough. They pay just mm-hmm. enough, just, just enough to get Cheap. seen. But... I can tell they're Cheetos because you know <laughs> it's I'm orange. a big snack guy. But <laughs> so also there's a brand SOS. I didn't know if that's real or not. But it's like a cleaning product that showed up a lot. Uh, maybe. Oh yeah, there's also a bunch of paper towels. Of course, we didn't notice that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but as Dan is getting a broom, He's, he noticed. This part's a little weird, a little wacky for me. <laughs> but he he noticed what, what does he a, know? a hollow mm-hmm. sound coming from the the wall, the wall, <laughs> the mm-hmm. wall. He. Is already not trusting of anything that's going on. He hasn't heard anything from Davenport. He, it is a mysterious sweater dude out there. It's just weird. So he hears a hollow sound coming from. Oh, and he's stressed the fuck out. So he'll take any opportunity. He hears a hollow sound, and he grabs a wrench and busts the wall open. Then it makes sense. But here we are. And it's a good thing Dan trusted his instincts and didn't listen to us because he finds stairs when he uses a flashlight to to see through the wall. And it leads to a secret part of the house. And why is this part secret? Why is this part covered up? Nothing's making sense. So it's only one thing he can do and it's to get the fuck out of there go home and just leave everything as is. Fuck that. Right? And he does. And he meets a nice person in the future and start a nice little family and everything's fine. And he named their son after his dad and named the daughter after Melody and life goes on. Mm -hmm. 
he later discovered Melody and was alive, talked to her, everything was fine, he figured out all the answers. Yep, that's it. Just kidding. Now that that happened. Nope, so, you followed that fucking trail. You went downstairs yeah. in the basement. I also want to talk about why he broke down that wall, because it's just a piece of, you know, really thin drywall. Mm-hmm. Maybe they didn't have a lot of time <laughs> in construction, and they were just adding on a little closet. You had to break it down, like, just because it wasn't <laughs> up to par with the rest of the house. It's a mansion, okay? They can have one little cheap closet. It's just a closet. <laughs> no, they could afford a better wall. That's why we have rats, because of this stupid closet right here. And, you know, he's probably like, how else am I supposed to tell this metaphor better than me breaking down a literal wall? Right? Mm-hmm. It's a wall of secrets, and I'm breaking it down. It, it's a literal wall of <laughs> yes and so he goes down this pathway into the basement where he mm-hmm. finds what looks like a room with a bunch of cabinets and files a room with a bunch of binders that sell what they say that say wellspring in it a weird other room with like a fridge looking thing right and yep. he tried using opening the doors. Some of them are code protected. He tried just putting in an any random number. That didn't work. So he just, hey, let me just follow this path. And the end of his journey leads him to a big room with a lot of... Church memorabilia. Yes, it's a church. He finds a, the Christian Bible. He finds some lights. <laughs> Uh, that have like they look pretty nice. They're very pretty chandeliers. Um, and yeah, it's a big circular room. And he finds the initials TB plus AF carved in one of the hues. Yeah. And yeah, it's at this point that we see Mister Davenport, Virgil himself, asking. Oops. Yeah, he appears in his best Samuel Jess impression. <laughs> mm-hmm. With his arms also just to his side. <laughs> Notably, he's holding the wrench that yeah. this that Dan used to break the wall down. <laughs> and So very menacing. And Virgil is just like, I didn't know you were a church guy. And they have a little banter. Davenport reveals that he used to be in the debate club. And he was part of a religious family. And in uh, his final competition, he posed to go against Jesus Christ, um, postulating that maybe it was a good thing that Jesus Christ died. Maybe he was a bad guy to begin with. And Dan is just like, did you win? And he's like, eh, I mean, I did that. I did that to get under people's skin so I can win. Then asks if he won, and he's like, "No, fuck no, no, I got expelled. That was not. They did not like that I did that." He's not a very Christian man. Yeah. Um. Dan's like, "Well, you know what? It didn't hold you back, Mister <laughs> Multi-Billionaire. Owns my own shady, yeah. you know, under the the under the radar, <laughs> like multi-billion-dollar business." And Virgil, um, is this like? All right, do you have a good reason why I wouldn't, sh- uh, why I shouldn't fire you for, um, going beyond, uh, going going off to off limit areas, and <laughs> areas that are clearly 
off limits. <laughs> There's a fucking like, wall. I didn't have to tell you. <laughs> I put a wall there <laughs> not to be broken down. You never said I can't break down the wall. Um, so Dan is just like, you're not going to fire me. I know you know my dad are on these tapes. And Virgil's like, all right, let me tell you about everything that's going on. <laughs> He's like, come here, follow me into the shadows. Come on. And he walks right into the shadows. <laughs> it was scary. It's, it's some very like horror movie stuff. So, yeah. Uh, Virgil explains that he built Wellspring, which, hey, it's the commercial from the beginning. Mm-hmm. He built the DNA website. Yep. And he soon learned that what the government or the police were trying to use the the what they were finding with their DNA matches um, to try to find criminals and have everything up in a database, all that stuff. He didn't mm-hmm. like it. He He's like, I think you know by now that I like privacy. And I love criminals. Yeah, so he shut the whole project down and he just ended it. So he founded LGM, which whatever that means, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he pulls out several important pieces of information. One of which is Melody with Dan and Dr. Turner's dog. Yes. That, um, that he recovered from the fire. He's like, yeah. He confirms that, yeah, Melody was a patient from Dr. Turner. And I am asking you right now, do you want to keep doing this? Do you want to walk away? I will let you walk away. You don't have to keep mm-hmm. doing this. But Dan this wants is the only to... time I'll let you do it. <laughs> Dan tells him he's not going to walk away. He wants to find out the truth. He's like, okay, I'm going to keep crossing boundaries and start into your personal life. Your dad, it was believed that he had a mental breakdown. Did you know that he was uh, tenured? Oh, what was it? Yeah. Like he, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, not tenured cause tenured's like, uh, he, he was almost let go. He was, um, on, he was suspended or something like that. Right. Yeah. It was a bad thing. Yeah. And because he had a mental bre- breakdown, uh, and so before, so they suspected that he purposely burned the house down with everybody in it uh, because of that breakdown. But Dan knows that he would never do something like that. So that it was an accident and they ruled it an accident. And Virgil figures tells him that they never figured out why they suspended him and what caused the mental breakdown that is sealed tight and never to be opened. And after everybody perished in that fire, he uh the the university withdrew their their um their letter or whatever. So yeah, that's a lot to unpack. And Virgil asks him one more time if he's ready to dig into this because he might find stuff that about his father that he may not like. And Virgil also confirms like, hey, uh, I had a suspicion that your father was part of this whole thing. Because he was Melody's therapist, 
but I there was no way I can know what's on those tapes. You're the only one that can figure that out. So, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't want to tell you anything to get your hopes up because I don't know what's on those tapes. So, yeah. A lot of truth-telling there. <laughs> yeah. He put a lot of things on the table there. He omitted one key piece of information that uh, gets revealed in a little bit down the road. Yeah. And, and it's about Melody. Dan had asked him if there's anything else that he needed to know. And Virgil it's like, a missed opportunity for Dan to be like, because there's a person in a red hoodie <laughs> running around, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't you, sir. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but he doesn't do that. He does. That's weird. And I think I, I can think I kind of know why, but he... As they're saying their goodbyes, Jumpy and I are yelling at the screen, like, tell tell him. Ask him about the red hoodie, dude. But Virgil makes, makes a comment. He's like, you and I, we're a lot alike, aren't we? Jumpy disagrees. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, he's like, we like puzzles. We like mysteries. Uh, we like putting things together. And as he's walking away, Virgil says... Maybe in another life, you and I could have made board games together. That was a warning. (laughs) That wasn't a slip by Virgil. He was telling Dan he's listening. He sees and hears everything inside that building. Don't try to go back in that room because that is off limits now. (laughs) That basement can't be touched and he sees and hears everything. Dan got it. Dan understood. But... As a parting gift, Virgil tells him there's bikes, he is authorized to leave, and there's a wonderful coffee spot 14 miles down the road. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. He's like, you're not a prisoner. You can leave. <laughs> I'm not doing anything illegal. <laughs> and that's on record. Yes. So, that's what's going on there. Virgil leaves. And Dan is like, all right, I can't get out of here soon enough. Let me go work. Oh, yeah. And Virgil does tell him that he gets more money the faster he does this. Another incentive to yeah. just go work. <laughs> so that's what's exactly what Virgil do- um, Dan does. He goes back in, pops in another tape, and we're just getting right into the meat and potatoes, right? Mm-hmm. No, no buildup. The, the tape immediately begins with the humming that Melody heard the first night from that everybody's the, everybody's been talking about. Um, she wakes up coming Annabelle. out of her air condition. Yeah, <laughs> and she wakes up Annabelle like, "Hey, do you hear that?" But Annabelle's ready to like knocked out. She's done. So Melody has no choice. She could have yeah. ignored it, <laughs> mm-hmm. but she decided she had no choice but to go investigate. And she does. She goes down the stairs into the community room. Because why not? And Mm -hmm. she peeks in with her camera behind a shelf where there's like a little opening. And she sees what looks like most of the residents of the Visor sitting down on these chairs and just humming. Mm, Up and down rhythmically. A lot better than I did. 
some of them are bobbing and yeah. weaving a little bit. They're doing weird, like almost like somebody's possessed. Yeah. You know, like they're they're shaking back and forth. We see Samuel. Samuel just with his eyes wide open. We see Red. We see Tamara. She's there. Everybody. I, I don't. I didn't see Jess or Beatrice, but it was just adults. Mm-hmm. For all we know, I saw Red. Yeah. And like you said, but Red is the only one not humming and chanting. Mm-hmm, that's true. At least it's not obvious that she's humming. She's kind of just sitting there. Yeah. Red is observing right now. And of course, they're all staring in one direction. <laughs> and, Freaked me out. And what are they staring at? You you're must be asking yourself if you haven't watched the episode. Which, if you haven't, I mean, this is a really weird way to get the story. <laughs> They're looking at a statue that we all we could all automatically assume that that that's not fun. That this statue is nothing angelic, right? They're There's nothing that comes good of praying <laughs> to this thing. It looks like a a statue of some little. It's almost it's humanoid. It's like this yeah. humanoid shape. To me, it looks like something that's in motion. But yeah. like it's stone. Like it looks like if you were waving your hands together, yeah. that effect where it looks all blurry. Yeah. Like it looks like that, but they captured it in a stone artwork. Like it's it's creepy. Yes, and at some point, the uh, like Melody's freaked out, but she keeps taping. She keeps rolling, and at some point, the humming stops, and then Sam gets up because he's all the way at the front. And he closes the the case where the statue is contained, and Red oh. gets up right after him, mm-hmm. and can't get out of there sooner for some reason. She's talking to everybody though. She's talking. She's like having small chatter, and that's at, true. That's at true. this point, the lights turn on, and every, and Melody realizes that she, uh, <laughs> she needs to get out of there. So she hides in in the. The coat rack. Yes, the coat rack. Because, you know, just in case, nobody's going to get their coat after that, right? No. And I'm surprised that no one found her. Yeah. Everyone forgot their coat that evening. Yeah. So, when everybody leaves, she gets out. We see some stuff on the wall that we probably should have paid more attention to. Like, lost bike, called his numbers, whatever. Something yeah, like that. We didn't see it. She rushes to where the statue is. And on the case... With the doors closed, it makes a symbol. It's like a heart with like a pentagram or whatever. And very satanical. And it's the same symbol that's found in the front of the visor. It's on the building. So creepy. that yeah, that is creepy. That they're connected somehow. This crazy Dutch <laughs> sex cult is connected to the visor, like to its core. This building was probably made for what they're doing right now. Yeah. And she is trying her hardest to open this case to look at the statue, but she Mm -hmm. can't. And that's when she hears footsteps. She quickly runs behind a hidden compartment, not a hidden compartment, just something behind the, the, where the statue is located. And that's when we see Samuel and Tamara. They just look at each other and they just start making out. Samuel pushes tomorrow against the wall and he starts making grunting noises. She starts moaning, but it's not natural, you know, 
sensual, like they're making love. This is more animalistic. He's just thrusting her against the wall. She's loving it. And they're almost making like animalistic noises to the point where this is loud buzzing that sound just hits Dan's ear and he just covers it. And at that point, when it's like normal again, I guess after the climax, we see Samuel zip up and Tamara just like ready her dress, you know, uh, hand out those creases, you know, with their hands and they walk out and Melody just <laughs> sat there, taped the whole thing. So she just super illegal, right? Just taped two people having, having sex without her, without their consent. And There's a lot of illegal things going on in there. <laughs> and so she walks up the stairs in shock, goes into her apartment, flicks on the lights, closes the door. And Causes Annabelle to finally wake up. Yeah. And Annabelle immediately recognizes that she's not okay. First, Annabelle makes the jokes. Oh, did you find that hot guy? I guess you did get that nightcap. But Add timing. <laughs> Melody has a fucking shocked look on her face and Annabelle's like, what's wrong? Melody says, this building is fucked up. They're humming and praying to a statue and like, it's just just fucking weird thing. I don't know what's going on. And Annabelle, without a second thought, is like, let's just get the fuck out of here. Who's gonna... They're not gonna stop us from leaving. Let's just leave. Fuck this place. And Melody... Because it's only episode two. She's like, we have six more episodes, so we can't leave right now. <laughs> uh, Melody says she came here for a purpose, and she does not leaving until she sees it through. She went to Wellspring. Oh, so things are starting to connect. She found out her ancestry, and she knows where her birth mother is. It's Julia Bennett. Historian she's been searching for in this building. Yep. And she got a letter from Julia. Julia said, stay away. Like, we don't really hear the contents, but Annabelle tells us that it wasn't nice. It was a very, don't come looking for me. I think it wasn't like even addressed to her. I think the hospital she was born at, they had some like correspondence with her mom and her mom was like i don't want to have anything to do with this baby oh, okay. but the return address that the mom sent those letters on mm. was the visitor like nice. this is where the mom lived so even though and she she makes it known melody makes it known that i know that she wants nothing to do with me i don't care yeah my life has a big gaping hole in it i don't even know what my real birthday is nope. she left me with nothing i need to go put the pieces of my life together because it's been weighing on me my whole life. Yeah. She did, she needs to tell me some details about my life. I don't care what she wants. Yeah. And I, I felt for her. Yeah, that was very sad. And Annabelle, like a true future victim, says, I will stay here with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I don't think Annabelle's going to make it. <laughs> I don't know if she's going to make it either. <laughs> I have a good idea if Melody makes it. But I don't know about Annabelle. So they said 13 people died in that fire, correct? Correct. Um, 
There's definitely more than 13 people in that building. Yeah, so. quite a few of them survive. I'm hoping Jess is also one of the people that survives. Yeah. Because right now, she's the only non-confirmed, <laughs> like, the only, like, non-cultist person. And we're not sure, believing that. But hopefully she's not in the cult. Yeah. So, um... A lot to unpack for Dan. Yeah. So, uh, he's in the middle of all this. There's a knock on the door. And Melody's like, and there's a humming, right? But I think that's part mm-hmm. of the the score and not the actual, like, she they hear humming in, in the video. She, yeah. she walks to open the door. And Dan has a flashback to his dream of him knocking on melody's door and her answering and guess what they're both wearing that purple shirt because melody opens the door and she says there was no one there so there's only one there's only you know one can assume that (laughs) that uh dan is crossing over dimensions here right his dreams are taking him to the past that would be one big twist (laughs) Um. So, so this is uh, what's going. This on? is, and this who do you what? think knocked on the door? I think it was Sam. I think it was Sam. He just ran away. Ding dong ditch. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I know. <laughs> I think I think he's ready was... for another nightcap. I'm ready for round two. <laughs> I mean, one wink, wink. <laughs> uh, it's definitely Dan. Dan is somehow crossing over. You think so? That house is doing something to him. You have a real like that's your real. Predi- I thought you were kidding. That's no, that's some out there stuff. <laughs> it makes sense, right? The knock on the yeah. door. I mean, it would. I, I wouldn't doubt it if like they're uh they probably they they realized that uh, melody was there. You know, I, it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if, if tomorrow's is like, did you like the show? Maybe I should see your little camera. You know, some shit like that. Okay. But uh, so, so to clarify your your theory, yes. Is this man is hopping through time in his dreams? Yes. Okay. Something says father's trying to take him to the truth. He's like, hey, I don't know if you saw that rom com <laughs> about those men who could travel through time through the male line of their family, but that's us right now. We <laughs> can travel through time. Nice. I forgot the name of it now. I think it's called About Time. <laughs> that's cute. Um, so Dan does the only rational thing he can do, and he gets one of the bikes to go get coffee and meets up with Mark, and they have important information to share with each other. Um, the the Visitor Historical Society's tune or humming, uh, he says was written by his sister, or at least that's the same tune that's being played. Something's going on there. Um, they're like so. He's like so. The sex cult's music is the same tune you're playing. Your sister was playing the night of the fire, and that 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 pissed off your dad. It's like yeah, something's up. Something's really like uh, something's off there. It the humming matches the notes on the piano. So the surprise Mark brought was that I found a whole bunch of tapes titled M. Pendris and he brings out a bunch of cassettes 
and I'm excited because that means there's more tapes to unravel for for Dan. Yeah, Dan should have been excited. He's all about the tape life, mm-hmm. and he just got a whole set of new projects. Yeah, and although these seem much easier, he just has to slap them into a device and listen. But... And then this is the biggest bombshell that Mark dropped. The biggest bombshell that Mark dropped was that well let's say what they were talking about so dan was saying something to the effect of like we need to figure out what's going on with melody because mm-hmm. she like something happened between her and my dad and i need to know what this connection is and then mark's like well why don't you ask her yourself because she's alive apparently she's alive and well in pittsburgh Ooh. and they ended there <laughs> Yep. And it's so mean. I oh, need to know more. I do how too. is she alive? It's so good. <laughs> and if she's alive, how is there no big police scandal or something that? Something, like, yeah. And they Google the shit out of her, and they can find anything. If they. And if she's I mean, alive, she lives off the grid. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know Virgil for sure knows that she's alive. Yeah, if Mark could figure out where she is, Virgil, <laughs> with all his resources, has to be able to find. Yeah, something, something's going on there. Because we already know he's good at finding people with no like media presence. Because he found Dan, yeah, and he has no media presence, like social media presence. So it's going to be interesting. When we figure out what's going on. It's great. I I still. I don't know what other predictions to make off of this. I think Annabelle's gonna die. Um, I think Annabelle's gonna die too. When do you think she's going to confront Sam about what happened? Episode four, penultimate episode. I not penultimate. Bet you he's that. gonna play it off, and he's just gonna be like, "It's just this little thing we do. It's no big deal." Yeah, of course he's gonna. He's gonna. He's not gonna be too descriptive on it he's gonna be super vague and he's gonna be like it's no big deal all right and then she's gonna bring up that he slept with tamara and he's like yeah all right we're not official all right i was very free to do so don't be weird about it (laughs) she seemed hurt by it yeah and then i want to know how She's involved. Do you think... I feel like she was conceived during one of these crazy cult meetings. Yeah. And that's why her mom didn't want her. Yeah, because she didn't want her to have whatever life... I think it's like one of those innocent things. Like, like whatever life is in this building, whatever life could come from all this, you don't need any of that. Have a normal life. Don't come looking for me. Mm. Yeah. It's it's fascinating. I need to know the connections going on here. Yeah. Um, Why do you think the red hooded person is stalking Dan? Uh, I doubt they're connected to Virgil. I just really don't think so. No, I think I, I'm thinking they are. I'm, somebody has to keep eyes on Dan. But they have cameras outside. everywhere. Yeah, but when he's outside in the woods. And the cameras, I saw some wood cameras, That's true. like. It's awesome. I think the red-headed, the red-hooded person is like an outsider. 
possibly like i don't know somebody who knows what's going on but they're not connected to virgil maybe i mean why would they be on the I've, but then how do they know about the premises right and then i would feel like virgil would know right or at least virgil's letting his shit happen I, that's what i also think virgil is letting things like with that domino he he pushed that domino and he's letting things fall right and he's just seeing what happens out of it he knows um dan is leaking out confidential information to mark but he's not stopping it you know yeah he wants like, the information to, out there you can um, go to this coffee shop over there you know yeah. and meet up with anybody you'd like any friends yeah wink wink <laughs> listen to a podcast on the way huh <laughs> yeah so virgil is definitely letting dante uh i said dante dan um <laughs> do this on Virgil and Dante yeah that was something that Jumbi and I read is that Virgil is this is Dante's Inferno and Virgil's guiding Dan through the circles of hell makes sense yeah I mean we could in our summary when we finally do the summary recap for this entire season we can talk about each episode and if it pertains to a circle of hell it could be maybe I'm not a big, like, you know, I didn't memorize Dante's Inferno, so I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Um, But, yeah, Uh, another crazy theory. Uh, I I, want to say he doesn't go to Melody right away. I think he's going to find something that will eventually be like, I have to go to Pittsburgh. But I think he's going to wait on it. Even though that's such juicy shit, I would like go right away and I would love it if he went right away. I think he's going to hold off on it. I think he's going to send Mark. Ooh. He's going to be like, Mark, I don't know if you have a session <laughs> for your podcast anytime soon, but can you take a few days and drive up to Pittsburgh, find this lady? It's like... Which he will gladly do because this could be a really juicy podcast in the future. Yeah. Uh, Virgil's reasoning. Why... It seems he has more. He has a lot to hide, right? But why risk it all to have Dan go in the house and rescue these tapes? That's the big. That's the big mystery. What's so important? Um, I I know Virgil hinted like that he's not a believer in God, even though there's a church there. <laughs> mm. I don't know. He could, I don't know, man. Like, why Why is it so important that those tapes get recovered? And why, you know, there's a, there's a definitely a satanic cult happening, uh, communing in that, in that building. Like, and then Virgil just happens to drop that, <laughs> that line. I don't know. Maybe Virgil is part of the cult. I don't know. But, like, what does Virgil want? He doesn't want to kill Dan or anything. It's right. nothing like that. He really does want those tapes decoded. <laughs> but then, like, why doesn't he just find Melody? Yeah. Like it's, it's Something's missing here. There's, like, a missing piece yeah, going know. on here. Maybe Melody refuses to talk about it. Yeah. But she didn't realize these tapes exist. Yeah, I also believe Mark is unsuccessful in his first attempt and talking to Melody. But I do yeah. think 
that Dan is going to find something where he's like, I have to talk to her about this. And then she's going to be like, oh, okay, we need to talk about this. But it's not going to happen right away. I don't think there's going to be like an affair or anything no. between Mr. Turner and her. No, no. Something else made them estranged. Yeah. Yeah. We know who the mother is. Do we know who the father is? You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's Virgil. Could be. That could be why he's so invested. That'd be a good reasoning. But, you know, Melody is alive, so. Wow, that'd be a really good reason for why Virgil cares so much. I think you got something there. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he fucked up. Maybe he fucked up in something. Or maybe he's trying maybe he's trying to learn what happened to his to his you know, baby mama, you know? Maybe Melody is his daughter and he's like, Oh shit, Julia got pregnant, what happened to her? And he's using those tapes to find out what happened to Julia. Yeah, maybe it's it's something nice like that. Yeah. Or maybe <laughs> something more sinister. Yeah. And what that we means. can only find out. Sorry, go on. <laughs> what are you gonna say? We Just can only find out. I was gonna say some Batman thing. <laughs> next, we'll find out next time on the next episode of Phantom of the Silver Screen. Podcast. And with that being said, any last words, Chubby? <laughs> Finished. Um. And just like that is the end of another episode of Phantoms and Silver Screen. If you liked and enjoyed this episode, please check out our other episodes or any other content we have may- we may have brought out. Uh, if you haven't already, give us a follow on Spotify or whatever other platform we're on. Check us out. Have fun. Enjoy. We love you. And we hope you love us too. Dutch. Dutch. Good night.